Hello. And welcome to the Betsy Betsy Boss Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. It is Tuesday, April 14th, and we are back with another episode of Female History brought to you by Betsy Boss. And today's topic is going to kill you. It's a real killer topic. Um, and it'll make you want to listen to a little Belbiv DeVoe poison <laughs> because it is all about uh, some crazy women in Hungary who were hungry for a little bit more yes. than dinner. Okay. Just don't fly off the handle there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a little preview. <laughs> a little preview. <laughs> Um, But before we get into that, we want to talk about something sort of related, which is Carol Baskin. Oh, who is not talking about Carol? Right? Come on. It is the topic that's sweeping the nation. We talked about Joe Exotic a little bit last week Mm -hmm. and um, how everybody is just into this show. And the big claim by Joe Exotic is that Carol Baskin, who sort of acts as the spokesperson for Big Cat Rescue, which tries to save cats from being held in captivity ironically she holds cats in captivity so (laughs) not sure how that really gets reconciled um but joe's big argument is that carol baskin murdered her husband right and then fed him to the tigers pretty scary apparently carol's husband was not the nicest guy he was having a bunch of illicit affairs um hose in different area codes he <laughs> went as far as one of the ricas or ricos either puerto rico or costa yeah, rica so, yeah some are not far some were down south off florida mm-hmm. and my gosh i mean she in theory according to joe exotic exacted her revenge by feeding her husband to her tigers um and it's joe's claim that tigers saliva or their stomach acid or whatever is so acidic that there wouldn't even be any bones left over from the dead remains of Carol Baskin's ex-husband. I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm a little skeptical. Uh, see, I actually believe that because if you look at, I don't know, you just think of the wild, like, well, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking, which obviously haven't watched enough of it, don't want to watch more of it, but like those um, National Geographic episodes or whatever where they kill an animal and are eating it, they're going to get some bone in there, if not a decent amount of bone. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it digests it. Like a snake, for example, they can eat like a rat whole. Right. You know, and there, something in their saliva or in their digestive system totally breaks, breaks that down. down. I don't know about tigers and big cats in general. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Who's to say? My gosh. Yeah. But yeah. And um, well, something that I, I saw that. It was interesting because I listened to another podcast that kind of gave both sides and listened to some of Carol's defense here. And one of the things she said was that the meat grinder that she uses for her cats is essentially almost like you would see in like, what's it in Philly here? Oh, shit. The Bruno. Yeah. Like you would almost see in your authentic Italian deli here. Yeah. Just, you know, your kind of classic meat grinder, your hand meat grinder. And she's like, there's no way I could do that and put that into that. Yeah. Fit a whole person in there. Yeah. Who's saying you put it in the meat grinder, though? Exactly. (laughs) And who's saying you would have to? Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's that size. I mean, they're 500, 600 pounds. They're giant. I thought they're jaws alone. Like, (sighs) 
Yeah, the jaws of life over there. Oh the my god, of jaws of death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I'll tell you, there was another uh, serial killer. I think it was up in Canada actually, and he was a pig farmer. Oh geez. Oh, which is awful. And pigs will eat anything. They sure will. And it's he- like me. <laughs> pigs as in i can relate to it right put it on a plate oh, and i'll eat it and i probably God. won't I mean, even look at it as in g-i-r-l oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but he i forget who he targeted like who his demographic was that he killed but his victims he would feed them to the pigs and uh, so it was super hard to convict him because there was no evidence, evidence. Was gone oh my god which is terrifying yeah that is absolutely horrifying but hey i mean if pigs can do it i feel like some <laughs> there's nothing to it can, <laughs> there's nothing to it i think tigers could do it too oh yeah definitely i i don't see why not Right? So what was the deal? Um, you were saying you knew something extra about um, the husband's, like, escape plan or... Yeah, so the way this other podcast kind of presented it about the husband was that they're like, he was no angel. He was involved in nefarious dealings and um, kind of had uh, bank accounts offshore to kind of launder money. Mm. And, you know, it... it from certain people's perspective, it made total sense that he would kind of try to just go off the radar and start a new life. Um, but I think one of the creepiest things to me was his will, his living will, whatever the last document that um, they kind of referenced there where typically typically it's like if I die or if, you know, I'm in a state where I can't make any uh, decisions for myself, power of attorney type of deal, like here's who I want to make choices and this one the first line of it was if i disappear classic who's thinking of disappearing unless they both were in on it together there's a third option but hey right and they (laughs) had the um husband's (laughs) they had the husband's lawyer actually on the show and he was talking about how in all of his years as an attorney (laughs) he never once saw the phrase if i disappear who would think to do that right and who's gonna disappear on purpose who knows that they're gonna disappear yeah who's worried about disappearing right and the classic phrase is upon my death or at my you know time of death there is no if i disappear (laughs) you don't put these weird caveats in that's not how wills are written okay yeah that's just like what are you doing here yeah what's going on why didn't that attorney side eye that more that's what i'm wondering right I don't know. That just makes like, well, what are you trying to set up here? And I think the person who wrote it or it said like authored by or presented by or there whatever. Were, yeah, there was something. Was Carol Baskin. Right. I was going to say, I know there was something kind of sketchy about the signatures or the uh, the authorship or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. She doesn't seem that innocent to me. Yeah. And even if it wasn't her, I was sort of looking at maybe the um, husband's ex-wife who he originally was married to this other woman who was more age appropriate while he was (laughs) married to this woman he saw carol walking down the street a young woman i think she was a young mother had been left by her husband at the time and he picked her up in his car and sort of fell for her okay that alone already creeps me out he's getting in cars with people well and get this he sees her on the road, and he tries to coerce her into getting into the car with him. And she won't get in. She won't get in. You know, he tries a few oh, different God. tactics. 
And then he says, I have a gun on my passenger seat. Now, meanwhile, you would think he would be like, get in or I'll shoot you. Right. No, no. He's much weirder than that. (laughs) He says, Carol, if you get in the car, you can aim the gun at me while I drive around. I'm having a lot of marital problems. Just aim the gun at me. I'll drive around and then you'll know that you'll be safe. And you can kill me at any time if I try anything funny. And that's it. And apparently that was good enough for Carol. She got right Okay. In. But here's my question. Where's the story coming from? Is this Carol retelling this story? I don't know. That's actually a good question. That's what I wonder. Is it like he told this story to other people? I almost think it was like it might have been the ex-wife's account of the story. I don't know. There's a lot of different people involved in this that are just kind of like it's very he said she said but it's classic florida i'll put it that way oh my god like i said i think last episode like this is epitome of florida man florida woman yes 100 percent. weird as can be super crazy guns everywhere people (laughs) getting into cars pointing guns and thinking hey there's a gun there i'll be safe not hey there's a gun i should probably skedaddle and then going home with the person yeah woohoo and (laughs) marrying him right oh my gosh so who knows but in the theme of doing away with your nasty husband in strange or maybe unthought of ways our topic today centers around some wives who were equally pissed at their husbands over it <laughs> and they also found creative ways to get rid of them oh, yes for they good. did yes they did okay so i guess just before we get into the actual story then we'll give a brief little overview of the town where this took place uh this is Najirev. this is in hungary and it was a farming village it was just around the turn of the century and it was about 60 miles southeast of Budapest. Um, and you just kind of picture your classic rural during that time city. Well, not even city, a little town village. Uh, pretty much you had a pub, church, muddy streets, and cottages that lined those streets. Um, and also something to take note of, there was no resident doctor or hospital at mm-hmm. the time. Very important. So you can imagine that if somebody comes in with medical skills, that's going to be a very powerful person. Yeah, they're going to be vital to the community. Mm-hmm. This also happened in 1911. So this is actually around the same time of our last episode, which was also 1911. Oh, yeah. yeah um, we'd be true. burning. So <laughs> if you sort of picture that, but in an Eastern European. So now we'd rural, be poisoning. <laughs> we'd be poisoning. Eastern European uh, location. That's sort of what we're looking at. Yeah, here, that's where that we find time. ourselves. Um, so another important, a couple other facts that are important to kind of set the stage for this. During this time, um, Hungarian society and marriage, there were certain kind of social um, norms. Else? Social. There were certain social norms during the time that people followed. Future husbands were really decided by the family. It was typically teenage brides that were married off. So oftentimes it could be husbands that were significantly older than the brides. Um, And they were really forced to just accept this decision by their family because it was such a social stigma to deny this as well as a social stigma to divorce as well. So regardless if the husband was abusive, an alcoholic, never like they were they were kind of stuck in that situation yeah and yeah it sounded like divorce was like 
out of the question. Yeah, like it just didn't happen. It couldn't happen. It was completely against the law. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, if your husband was a monstrous wife beater, if he was an alcoholic, it didn't matter at all. You had to stick in that marriage and it was too damn bad. The only way out was death. Foreshadowing. Right? (laughs) So we are focusing today on Julia Fajakash. Um, In some accounts, she was called Susanna, and some she was called Julia. So we're just going to call her Faj, because (laughs) why not? Okay, we're all about the nicknames here. Um, So she settled in Hungary in 1911, like I said. She worked as a midwife, and she was already kind of known around this time period by the locals as a performer of illegal abortions. Now, this is... um, You'll hear why abortions were so sought after in a oh, in a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah, plays a yeah um, big part, big big role. Um, but this was really before World War One even started. She performed these illegal abortions and did these midwife duties, and she sort of came to the town with this unknown, unclear background. <laughs> Super sketch, really sketchy. Yeah, no clue where she came from. And funny enough, her husband also disappeared, like Carol, under mysterious circumstances. what are the odds? So she's kind of a strange figure, but she rises to power because she is the only medical practitioner in the town. So people are coming to her not just for midwife type duties, but for for everything. everything. I mean, she was basically the general practitioner. And... She rose to power. She really did. She controlled the town. She did. And I thought it was interesting, too. I have to laugh when I see some of these historical um, accounts. She came in and she apparently had multiple references from other doctors about her nursing abilities. And I just have to laugh because it's like nowadays we have LinkedIn. Yes. Back then, it's like, do you really think... They were going. They're like, here's a medical person or somebody that's claiming to be a medical professional. Are we, are they really going to go and check out these, uh, right. you know, endorsements of this person? And like, it probably no. would have taken forever to even yeah, contact track somebody. Down these people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, confirm that the references were true, that they were by real people, other medical practitioners in the community. You just didn't know. Yeah, that's the thing that just makes me laugh. I mean. I have to think she probably did have an idea of what she was doing just based on her ability to do certain things and be uh. a midwife because that alone is kind of, ooh, you got to know what you're doing there. But like, I don't know. It just makes me laugh because it's like, how easy would it be to forge these documents or whatever? Right. Uh, so again, being the midwife there and like you had said with um, abortions being one of the major hot topics that she was, you know on the spot for she was actually imprisoned 10 times for performing illegal abortions between 1911 and 1921 but she was always acquitted partially i saw a couple different accounts one was that she always kind of went before judges who actually supported uh these abortion services that she was providing also though i think more so it was that she was the only medical provider in the village right so if they lock her up Who's going to take care of anything? Nope. Yeah, Yeah. she was it. And wow, what a position to be in. Right. That's such a position of power. The reason that abortions occurred so frequently um, were because in this village, again, picture kind of the setup that we already told you about, this poor village, poverty was really a big factor. And having more children, while in some cases, you know, you could see, oh, this is great. It's more hands to work the fields. They were also another mouth to feed. And Mm -hmm. so the poverty was a big factor in why these women were seeking abortions at the time. 
And the need for abortions actually increased once the war hit because most able-bodied men, the husbands of these women, got sent off to fight in the war. And the little town of Njairev became home to all of these prisoners of war camps um, due to its isolated location. So it's in sort of the middle of nowhere. It's 60 miles from the next biggest town. Um, It's the perfect place to put these prisoners of war Um, and this big camp kind of in the middle of the woods slash farmland. Yeah, where are they going to run to? (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of the women in the town started hanging out with these prisoners of war, um, hooking up with them, becoming their their lovers. Um, and a lot of these indiscretions created unwanted pregnancies. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, so Faj, um, her skills at performing abortions really came into play yeah. here. Um, eventually women were kind of lining up for Faj's skills after they became pregnant from their infidelities. Um and you think, too, this is kind of a way that she became involved in their lives, got to know them, become more acquainted acquainted with them. They became more comfortable with her. And that kind of leads into kind of where things go in the story. Nice. Yeah. One thing, though, so I had looked into it a little bit. And at first, I just saw that they said that the prisoners of war were kind of kept there and um, just had limited, you know, rights as far as moving about in the village um but looking into it a little bit more what actually happened when the men went off to war the women were essentially left to work the fields and as well as do all the you know wifely duties with the the children and the home and all that so a lot of these pow's they put to work in the fields so it ended up being that Uh the women were working side by side with these men so naturally you know handsome young and i'm sure i don't know myself a foreign accent is very Ooh, attractive look out my god yeah and somebody probably pretty built who can I'm handle sure. that field work yeah i mean you, my god, you can look see out. how it could happen yeah oh it's so true my yeah. gosh you yeah. had the perfect speed dating you know round <laughs> out right. there in the wheat or whatever yeah. the hell oh so um, eventually the war ended and these husbands came back from the war. Um, and a lot of these women didn't really want to be married anymore. They had their hot, young, strapping lad um, with their foreign accents out <laughs> working in the field. They were very happy with the person that they had chosen to hang around with versus the person who was chosen for them. Yeah. Who was now coming back and they knew that their freedom that they had during the war was about to be lost. And they were worried that they were probably going to face punishment for being unfaithful while their husbands were gone all this time. Well, and I can only imagine, too, I mean, we're just barely starting to understand PTSD. Can you imagine these men coming back if they already had a tendency to be abusive or turn to, you know, substance abuse or whatever? uh, That could only you know, increase that. So I can only imagine some of these situations that these women were now stuck in again. Right. It was probably so much worse when they came back than it even was before. Right. Um, And like we said, marriages were arranged. Divorces were forbidden. Right. um, Regardless of the circumstances. So to solve that problem of women no longer wanting their husbands, Faj started, um, her, the wheels started turning in that medical brain. Um, and it actually started with just one woman who was fed up with her alcoholic husband. 
Fosh told her that if she really wanted to get rid of her husband, it wouldn't be that hard. She could just pop some of this special poison that Fosh had into a meal or a drink, and the problem would be done. Now, I think at the time, Fosh didn't take the woman super seriously, but, you know, once Fosh indicated, hey, it wouldn't be that hard to get rid of this person, the wife, her ears really pricked up. Oh, I bet. And she you know said she was serious she said she really wanted to get rid of this guy um he beats me he drinks he's a monster um and at the time the chemical of choice that Fage used was arsenic and we'll tell you how she got that and how she isolated <laughs> Very it interesting fascinating but she thought that arsenic was untraceable and undetectable so she thought hey you know we'll give it to this guy he'll die of perceived natural causes and that'll be the end of it um at the time she gave the poison to the unhappy wife for free let her go off do her thing the husband died of a perceived heart attack all went according to plan that's right yeah well i saw that um it was reported a couple times that the husband or as we'll see later not even just the husband's other individuals in the family uh died after having a prolonged stomach ache which sounds Ooh. awful. Oh, Just what a like, way to die. Whew, yeah. But um, so pretty much after this situation, uh, she had this one woman come and everything kind of went according to plan. The poison that she had used, she had come to find that fly traps or fly paper, actually, you could boil it and it would create this residue on top of the water that was filled with arsenic. It was pretty much like straight arsenic. And you mm-hmm. could skim off this lethal residue and put it into a little vial. Like you said, take it home, put it into their coffee or a meal or something like that. Uh, when I was looking, the one of the people that invented flypaper at the time had, I guess it was almost like Coca-Cola where it was kind of an accident where they had some type of paper and they had molasses on it which is sweet and attracts the flies but when they land on it it's sticky and they get stuck in it and so that kind of led to the next invention of this lethal fly paper where even when i was looking up these newspaper articles there were so many where little toddlers and children accidentally ingested it oh i'm sure because if it died sweet if it tastes sweet i mean you have kids at this time licking lead paint off the walls (laughs) so if there's something sweet if there's something you know delectable smells good tastes good attractive nuisance (laughs) um a kid will lick it and die yeah so you know they obviously weren't thinking as litigiously as we are in this day and age (laughs) pretty but yeah but clearly there's there's a lot of harm that can be done with these types of yeah chemicals chemicals. and everything Um, yeah, but the one thing I wanted to look up, I'm like, is this still an issue today? Because you know how there are some like weed killers and stuff where it's like pet friendly, not pet friendly type of thing. Um, and I did look up. So most modern brands of flypaper contain no poison. Um, it's all non-toxic adhesive. Thank God, which still is awful. Even if it's a fly, I don't want to think about it. It bugs me, too. I swear. I mean, that always bothered me, too, with the the mouse mouse traps. traps. Just kill it quickly and painlessly. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, when you had the mouse problem. Fun story, quick story. Feel free to cut this out. But, um, you know, I had a mouse in my Philadelphia apartment, and the landlady at the time, of course, is a reasonable woman, but she said she was going to start putting soft baits out. Now, to me, I thought, oh, soft, that sounds really 
delicate. I, I wouldn't and have known delightful. what that meant. Yeah. I had no idea what it meant. Looked it up. Mistake, people. Oh. It's apparently, you know, poison that the mice eat, and it just leads to a slow, horrible death for them. So... Being the animal lover that I am, I actually invested <laughs> in some humane traps. I figured they probably won't work, but at least I'll feel like I tried. Yeah. Um, and I'll set them out, you know, hoping that the mice will get caught in the humane traps. I'll set them free in a park, whatever. So the first night I set them out, I catch a mouse, right? <laughs> and it is the cutest little thing. I hate to say, I mean, oh, I know no, it's vermin. They, I mean- but they're very sweet. I mean, it was no bigger than like a thumb, you know, and it looked up at me. Ugh, I, I would post Aww. a picture if it wasn't so weird. I did save a picture of him and named him. But anyway, um, took him to a nearby park, Fairmount Park. If anybody knows, there's plenty of wildlife out there and let him <laughs> free. But I felt like a lunatic. I mean, on my walk to work, I was carrying oh. a mouse in a bag <laughs> and, you know, was trying to kind of find a tree to crouch you know, next to so that nobody would have to see me let a wild animal <laughs> free into the city. <sighs> but in any event, you know. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's what I would have done. We had one time where a little dog with the cutest name, I won't say, but uh, <laughs> she was a terrier. So uh, after all those little vermin and whatnot, and she got a little baby bunny. Oh. Dropped it on our, our deck out back or whatever. And my dad was like we're just gonna put it out of its misery i i would not let it happen we looked up a woman that there were like different people online that take baby bunnies with their eyes open baby bunnies with their eyes closed we drove over everything we drove over an hour to give this little baby bunny because i was like i can't let you just like kill it yeah no or like leave it out there exactly oh. so don't be surprised that we're feeling bad for the flies over yeah here. sorry major major sidebar there <laughs> feeling bad for the flies but now you know why isn't that just the way oh. you get more flies with honey than you do with yeah vinegar, that's right remember? but i don't want them anywhere no oh dead or alive get out of here yeah so i have pretty much the first death like you said in 1911 and then this line i kept seeing over and over again was poisoning became a fad by the mid 1920s i was right. like okay like it's jump rope like crazy or bones it or something yeah crazy <laughs> boats oh r.i.p yeah. those were so much fun oh, but yeah it was like this fashionable thing um that people would just murder their husbands well and then after their husbands this is kind of where it went on to they were like and this was how actually a lot of the newspaper articles framed these women was that they were greedy for land and inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of framed them that they would kill not just their husbands, but their children, kind of like we said, where children were seen as a financial burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would also murder their parents or siblings or... So cavalier. <laughs> yeah, just like, hey, I want that I want that field. I want that to be... My, like, mm-hmm. And they would do it because they would be inheriting that land when their parents died. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, I even saw women where they would murder the wife of a rich man, <laughs> oh, marry him, that. and then murder him. Oh, my God. So it was really spreading fast. Wow. Faj was selling bottles of this homebrewed poison. She never told the clients how she got the poison which was brilliant by the way um and she charged whatever price she thought each client could pay so this broad was a brilliant marketing mastermind here she just made a ton of money off these women they um she she started putting it in jellies and jams that cracked me up 
I mean, spread this on your toast and you're dead before dessert. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Yeah, but one of the stats, again, it's these, you know, crazy newspapers back in the day, but they said that pretty much, I don't know how this went under the radar, uh, but that she bought enough flypaper at the time to kill all of Europe. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, how in this little village is, is that there just this going much undetected? <laughs> and that too, like, yeah. I, seriously, did... did we get another plague? Like, how did this happen? Right. And Why isn't the Home this? Depot of Najira like, going out of business at this point because they're Seriously, selling everything to this can't woman? can't keep up with the demand. Right. Huh. But, I mean, there basically became this club of women. Yes. Who the angel resorted, The angel makers who resorted to murdering their husbands. They had this whole code of honor among them, which, um, you know, they basically had rules where the first rule was that the concoction, the poison concoction, was only meant for married women. Um, a single woman <laughs> wasn't allowed to That's use so the poison funny. to kill an unwanted boyfriend oh or God. a weird, like, lover, a clinger. It was also forbidden to use the poison on a woman at the time when they really mm-hmm. oh so it was only for so husbands yeah that's a girl pack there it was a major girl code that's funny um, now of course as we discussed all these rules went out the window right. after just a short amount of time but you know originally it was meant to be a wives turning on husbands type of scenario rather than yeah. just hey let's kill all our unwanted relatives and all the extra mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. Um, also, women who were happily married were never told about the service. Really? Mm-hmm. They were kept in the dark. Do you think they really didn't know? Well, I'm sure after yeah. a good amount after of time. After how many years was it? Yeah. yeah these, so many deaths. Only these happy women. But, um, yeah, it's like Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is don't <laughs> talk about Fight Club. Oh, yeah. First rule about if you're actually in the FBI, you don't say you're in the FBI. Right. Yeah. Did you see, too, that one of the Angel Maker's sons-in-law or some relative worked as the clerk who okay. filed the death certificate? This was the best. So I saw that looking up in the newspaper. Guess So like you said, he, he did all the death certificates. So it was actually Faj's cousin. Oh, was it his? Yeah, oh, her, right. cousin. her cousin. Faj. But the best thing, this tells you how small of a town this was. Guess what his other uh, position was? What? It was the town barber. Get out of here. That is some Sweeney Todd oh, shit, isn't it? Oh, my God. The demon I just, barber I of Fleet get Street. over that. Like, could you oh. see that? Like, the barber, like, the spinning sign or whatever. And also, and death certificates. Right. Written here for free. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. But it was really smart because they had this guy on the inside who was writing yeah. the death certificates. It worked great because it kept outsiders from ever performing a real investigation yeah. into what these deaths were caused by. So all these people were piling up. They were dying left and right. <laughs> and there was no one to really give a true yeah, cause. Yeah, it was an inside system, an inside job there. Brilliant. So this actually got so popular, this method of poisoning people's husbands in Najirev, that the town became known as the Murder District. What a title to have. Oh, my God. So we had more than 50 women that were known to be poisoners at the time um, as part of these angel makers, and at least 300 people that died through Julia or Faj, her flypaper method. Yeah, so this went on for almost, if you think about it, two decades so 1911 about to about 1929 um and finally when they were caught there were several different accounts of kind of what outed them uh the first was that one of the angel makers was actually caught in the act by two visitors who survived her poisoning attempts 
um, she poisoned, she pointed to another woman, she pointed to another angel maker, who eventually then pointed to our girl Fage, and that's what, you know, kind of led them to who was the source of all this. Uh, another one is that a medical student in a neighboring town found a body washed up on shore, and being curious as a medical student at the time, looked into it and discovered that the body had high levels of arsenic. And then the investigation, again, led back to the angel makers. Turns out you can find arsenic in a body. Oh, yeah. And I have more facts on that to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final one, which I actually saw the most of, was that there was a letter written to the editor of a local small newspaper and it accused the women. It was an anonymous uh, letter to the newspaper and this was what led to the arrest and kind of digging into this whole story. Okay, so as this mass arrest kind of got underway, the stats I have, and it, it kind of varies a little bit, um, but I have that 34 women and one man uh, were indicted in this case. And the women, because that was obviously the main focus, they ranged in age from anywhere from 20 to 70. Um interesting fact and i have a very who knows if it's true could be sensational story uh but five women apparently committed suicide while awaiting arrest or trial including five i was just gonna say she just like she pieced out of there and just kind of left everybody to pick up the pieces she drank her own brand she did and okay i read this in a newspaper article from the time And I don't know how this could actually happen, but it said that she tried. So the police were coming to arrest her. She tried to poison them. How? I don't know. Like, how does that make sense? Not the smartest. Well, just how do you do that if, like. If they know you're in trouble for poisoning. Like, here, have have some coffee as you come into arrest. Like, I don't think so, buddy. Yeah, like, doesn't make sense. But apparently this article at least said when that failed, then she killed herself. Um, But. Anyway, there were one of the situations that kind of led to more arrests was exhumation of about 50 bodies. And 48 of those bodies, apparently, again, according to the newspapers of the time, had enough arsenic in them to poison about a thousand men. Whoa. But one of the sad sob stories of the time was that so there were 50 bodies exhumed, 48 contained arsenic. One of the two bodies was a husband of, um, I'm not going to get the name correct, but it was Frau Sazabi, is how I guess I'll pronounce it. Um, And the police came to her house after testing these bodies. They, you know, realized that her husband died actually of natural causes. She didn't kill him. Uh, But when the police came to her house, she panicked and thought they were coming to arrest her. She locked the door and hanged herself. No. Which is awful. Yeah. Because there was just mass hysteria, you know, mass panic in the in this village at the time. Well, did you hear about um, how the angel makers tried to avoid um, the exhumation of the body? No, I didn't. So apparently word came around when this whole detective operation. As it does in these small towns. As it gets around <laughs> clearly, just like word got around about Fage and her services. Um, that there was going to be this investigation, bodies were going to be exhumed, and that they were going to examine the bodies, and that the jig was kind of up. Yeah. Um, and at that time, the women realized that arsenic could be detected, it could be traceable, um, and obviously it wasn't naturally occurring. Clearly, if arsenic is in a body, it's because someone put it there. Yeah. So 
the women panicked and many of the angel makers actually went to the tombs oh god and swapped the headstones of folks who had died of poisoning. <laughs> like swapping a license plate or something. Exactly. <laughs> with people who had died of other causes. Wow. Um, just in order to confuse the detectives. Obviously, it didn't work, but it was just another creepy last-ditch effort That's by the angel makers crazy. to try and save their skins. Oh, my God. Well, I saw that kind of what they were using to determine at the time was um, if fingernails yes. had black spots, which was disgusting. Um, but one of the other things I thought was funny, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, but a couple of reports that I saw said that when they exhumed the bodies, there were vials of arsenic like at the bottom With of them. <laughs> Yeah, like my god you're not even yeah do a good job you're not even trying anymore or like cakes with arsenic that's what i didn't understand <laughs> it's like who gets buried with their favorite i mean i probably would get buried I with mean, my favorite yeah. snack or prize possession right let's be honest <laughs> but come on i mean yeah i was just like wow they're really just you know yeah hide a little bit caution better, to right? the wind well, what's funny, too, so I have a quote from a priest in the village oh. when this, did you have the same thing? I don't know, but I did, go ahead. I, Just I about the power of Julia? I saw, I think the guy that you're going to reference actually shot himself in despair after did the he? fact. I'm assuming it's the same one because they referenced that there was only one church, essentially, in oh, the town. Oh, no! Go ahead. What was his little... So during this whole detective mission, the detectives talked to a local priest, and the priest apparently said it's this very um, ominous message um, where the priest says, you'll find her a formidable opponent, gentlemen, and if she discovers the reason for your visit, you will be dead men. The superstitious peasants are terrified of her. They believe she has supernatural powers... And as her official capacity as nurse and midwife gives her access to every family, she dominates the entire district. I believe that these murders were originally caused by the grinding poverty of our unfortunate peasantry. The aged, the crippled, the unwanted children have sometimes proved too heavy a burden for our poor. Then there were men who drank and beat their wives. These men have gradually disappeared, and in their place the women under Faj, we'll paraphrase, have gained the upper hand. These villages, gentlemen, are utterly dominated by women, and the men are all afraid for their lives. Whoa, that's, oh, that's so eerie, and I almost don't know how to feel about that, because it is. Right? And this, when looking into this story, because it's hard to tell because it was so long ago, and how different articles frame this, you know, these power-hungry women, they want the land, they want the inheritance, But at the same time, if you look at your classic domestic abuse situation, I don't know. It's almost like how can you not root these women on for taking a stand of some kind, yeah, taking power back into their own hands. And I don't know. That just ooh, that just sums it up really well, though. Isn't that creepy? And of course, it's coming from the only unmarried man in town, the priest. Right. Of course. So he's safe. Well. Well, from himself, though, apparently. Yeah, it looked like he was so distraught. Okay, so uh, number wise, we had 26 that were tried, eight were sentenced to death, and two were executed. Um, Another 12 received prison sentences. And again, when looking in these newspaper articles, they were sentenced to hard labor, which sounds 
awful. Yeah, that sounds rough. Yeah. Although, ironically, hard labor was what they were probably <laughs> doing out in the fields when they be met the name there. Of this, yeah. this episode. Oh, how hard God. was the labor? Yeah, seriously. But, yeah, so they probably were like, woohoo, oh, another funny. husband to meet out that's in the gym so of the day. Oh, yeah. But um, so at the time, this was actually the biggest criminal trial in history of Hungarian courts. Um, so I was sort of looking into why this happened in the first place. I mean, come on. Like, why were we able? Yeah, for so long, these poisonings were able to happen without suspicion, really. Um, And other than Faj's position of power in the city, what was keeping authorities from kind of looking the other way? Why were these women so willing to kill? Uh, There were so many of them. Yeah, they were strong in numbers. It's kind of disturbing. Um, but authorities actually thought that maybe this was a form of mass hysteria, um, which oh, we've discussed no before, way. and they thought that this might have been brought on by years of promiscuity with these prisoners of war oh, um, on the part of these women. And honestly, more likely, it's thought that the mass poisonings happened because of the poverty. Again, like we just yeah, a talked lot of, about, yeah, factors. and like the priest said, I mean, poverty breeds desperation. Um, and there was lack of medical supervision to determine true causes of death. Um, there also was just, you have to give a hats off to Fodge and her network of angels or angel makers, rather <laughs> Charlie's angels. Oh yeah. Fodge's angels. <laughs> good morning, Charlie. Um, good morning, Fodge. Good morning, Fodge. But you have to give them a hats off because they had this intricate network of secrecy where, they that is really crazy. Yeah, they kept a lid on it in spite of the fact that, you know, they didn't follow the rules of Fight Club. They didn't, <laughs> um, you know, keep it to married women who were unhappy. But they did keep the cardinal rule of Fight Club, which is don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> and for that reason, they did this for almost three decades, it's, really. It's crazy. Yeah, it was women having women's back. And again, I don't want to paint it as like, oh, we Good endorse murder. Let's go murder husbands. But I think it's just a, a bunch of factors and disenfranchised women that didn't have a voice. And I'm not saying all of them were in that situation, um, but it sounds like, at least from what I was looking into, a lot of them were in that situation. And I don't know. I, I can only imagine the desperation, kind of what that leads to. Right. Yeah, so I think that's all I have. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's all the liberty that we have to spill today. Um, but there is a final takeaway from this, which is that if you mess with a powerful woman who is her own boss, then you might end up getting poisoned. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, our Instagram and Facebook are at Betsy Boss Podcast. Our Twitter is at Betsy Boss Pod. Our website is BetsyBossPodcast.com. And if you'd like to email us, we are at BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. 